It is the home stretch of the Winnipeg Jets season, and Winnipeg is about to face off against the San Jose Sharks, a team that actually just beat the Jets a few weeks ago. Can Winnipeg salvage a couple of points here? Will they take a few uh, new look lines out there? We'll see how the Jets are lining up against the San Jose Sharks and who the Jets should be concerned about on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On, the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode, but most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said at the top of the episode, uh, the Jets are facing off the San, uh, facing off against the San Jose Sharks this evening. Uh, should be an okay game for Winnipeg. I feel like every time I say that, though, the Jets have put up um, some rather poor scoring efforts, not for lack of trying, but sometimes they just can't score. I mean, this team, um, the power play has not been good. The even strength scoring has kind of dried up. And it's funny because the Jets are still creating opportunities. But if you look at how they're creating it, lots of point shots, uh, not as much down low, a lot of tip deflections. And look, we all like a good deflection. It can catch goalies off guard. It can cause chaotic rebounds. All of that is great in theory, but let's be real. The Jets aren't actually turning it into as much uh, of of the sort of dangerous variety that we're really looking for. This team is mostly concerned with shooting from distance, and that's not really how you're going to score at this level. I think the Jets kind of got away with it for a while, and then suddenly Winnipeg stopped getting into the slot, stopped creating dangerous opportunities, and now they're just sort of playing from the the point. And if you're feeding all of your offense uh, through that area, you're just not going to find many routes to victory. But we've talked about that before, so that's not super surprising. I guess for the Sharks, right, who are the Jets going to be concerned about? There are a couple of very key players who you know, for the Sharks team are actually doing pretty good. San Jose, I don't think is nearly as bad as their record indicates at times, but other moments, yeah, they do play this poorly. Um, Eric Carlson, though, has been, you know, the Norris favorite this year. He is my pick. He's got 90 points in 73 games. He's been an absolute unholy terror against goalies. And uh, I mean, that's just the Eric Carlson way, right? One of the most creative players in the NHL, a guy who in his 30s is just continuing to age like a fine wine. He's resisted some serious injuries, and my guess is if he ever gets traded, some lucky team is going to reap the benefits of one of the still most talented NHLers out there. That doesn't mean, though, that the Sharks don't have other talented supporting cast members. Logan Couture is still doing the business, 61 points in 73 games, still a pretty lethal scorer. Uh, You know, not exactly at a level to where I think the Jets... um, can't get past him or anything like that, but still doing decently. Then you've got Tomas Hurdle, you know, 57 points in 70 games. Uh, and then you start to notice some interesting names kind of trickling up because the the scoring dies off really quickly, quickly once you get past like three or four star players. The, you know, you've got Alexander Barabanov, who's got like 47 points. 
Um, Kevin LeBlanc was 28, and then Matt Benning with like 24. So suddenly you're seeing where uh, the divide between the elite scoring and the more normal shark scoring, uh, especially from their depth players, is starting to catch up. With the loss, of course, of Timo Meyer, the Sharks team really shouldn't be that much of a challenge, and especially because the guys in net for this team have not been doing well. James Reimer has conceded a ton of goals. He's got an 891 save percentage this year. Kapo Kakinen hasn't really been able to do much better. He's posting an 878. If the Sharks had even like averageish goaltending, I think this team would have a pretty different place in the standings. I don't think that they're great necessarily, but you know, 19 wins and like 39 or so losses. I feel like that is probably a harsh reflection of what their goaltending situation has been like this year. It just sucks. Uh, and, you know, Reimer, of course, already has enough off-ice off dramas and all that stuff. So uh, if he can't, you know, participate with, like, the team stuff, at least play well in that. And he hasn't really done any of that. So, yeah, the Sharks, a team that the Jets should beat. But I think, you know, Winnipeg recently hasn't always been able to pull that off. I mean, the Jets the other day, uh, what, they, they were they, was that the game that was the shutout? I, I can't even remember. If it was a shutout, I probably tried to block it out of my mind because it was so sad to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, Winnipeg, it is what it is. All I can say is there's like nine or so games left. And if the Jets can't beat the Sharks, if they can't get points out of these games, you might as well just give up on the second wildcard spot. You have to take care of business. And I think Winnipeg knows that, you know, it's, it's no secret the Jets are going to have to kind of pull it together and somehow squeeze out at least some kind of a standings result for the Jets to, uh, oh, I think that actually was um, the overtime loss. Oh, great. Yeah. An overtime loss. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to remember all of the fun losses. We've had a lot of them recently. Some of them uh, a little grimmer than others. I think the Sharks one was where they tied it in the last minute of the game or something. And then Winnipeg fumbled the extra point. So yeah, I mean, uh, not been a great time looking for positives about the Jets. I've really tried hard to say nice things about the team, but it's it's increasingly difficult. I mean, you know, I, I want to be fair and balanced, and I think Winnipeg has honestly given me a lot more fodder to criticize than it has uh, given me anything of substance to work with in terms of positives. Now, speaking of things that could be criticized, uh, I saw the Jets lineups from practice today, and yeah. In just a moment, we're going to dive into those and why they're really not where they need to be, especially from a team that literally cannot score. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. March Madness is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers like you a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net the most. Uh, obviously, for those of you who are really into the bracket challenges and stuff, this is a great way to try and get a second chance or maybe cast a few bets on some major college games and also professional NBA games. But they cover so many other sports. FanDuel really is a great one-stop shop for all of your online sports betting needs. All on an app that's safe, secure, and again, super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On. Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
we are uh, joining, you know, the, the conversation about the Jets recently. That's there's been a lot of buzz about this team and a lot of the mistakes that they've made, and and Winnipeg kind of regressing in some areas. Uh, one of the things that I think I'm really struggling with recently is <clears throat> some of the lineup decisions. Uh, Rick Bonus and <clears throat> and the assistant coaching staff. You know, I get it. Things are are grim. The team is looking for answers, and so far they really haven't found much. Um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, looking at these lineups, I I just have to ask what Winnipeg's strategy is because, you know, Nemesnikov, Shifley, and Wheeler as your first line really <clears throat> does not seem super ideal, if we're being honest. Uh, Connor Dubois and Niederreiter as your second is also not great, if we're being entirely honest. And then, you know, you've got Ehlers, Lowry, and Appleton as your third. And then Baron Stenland and Menelainen as your fourth. AJF, Gustafson, and Kuhlman are the extras. And, like, I just look at this team and I'm like, why is Ehlers the one being demoted to the third line when the top six basically hasn't done much of anything? Uh, if you're going to have Nemesnikov in the top six, at least give him Ehlers to work with. Shifley and Wheeler really haven't been there at all. Shifley just kind of looks checked out. Wheeler just literally struggles to keep up. Uh, so what is Nemestikov going to add to this line except like some sort of a forechecking and defensive presence? In terms of like scoring ability, that's not what you're really asking him to do, uh, especially with what he's um, <clears throat> mostly accustomed to from his previous stints, right? Nemestikov, again, a solid player, a solid middle sixer. But if you're asking him to carry the load for the first line, I mean, what is the coaching staff thinking? Uh, the, the second line of Connor Dubois in Niederreiter is just okay. I don't understand why we don't go back to, I don't know, something else, uh, like maybe Ehlers Dubois and I don't know, maybe Connor, ugh, I don't know. There, there are line combinations that work better for this team than what we're seeing, but you know, because Wheeler has to be stapled to the top six and because Bones seems really hell bent on some of his combos of like two players and then a third that he selects that he thinks will fit with them stylistically. It seems like Winnipeg is very like tunnel visioned, uh, which for the Jets is not great because Winnipeg right now can't score. And Ehlers, Lowry, and Appleton, I mean, that's just not a scoring unit. That's two players who are more defensively minded with Ehlers. And what is Ehlers supposed to do? Uh, I mean, look, Nick has had some bad games recently, but then there are plenty of games where he's still the most creative, most effective player on the ice. And at least he gives a crap. I mean, some of the other guys in the top six just don't seem like they want to be here anymore. So, yeah, um, all I can say is Bones is is losing whatever, uh, I, I guess, touch that he had with his team earlier. I thought that his decisions in the first half of the season were a lot more consistent. I, I like them a lot more. Where he is now and what he's doing with this team, I, I just don't really see it. Um, I can understand the, the thought process, and in some ways I can even sympathize with him trying to extract lemonade out of a rock. But, you know, <clears throat> in other areas, I look at this team and I'm like, you really don't need to overthink this and try and, you know, do rocket science when this team could be a lot better with just a couple of changes. And like, I don't think that the changes would drastically alter Winnipeg's fate, but at least for us, it'll be more watchable and it'll create more offense. But, you know, as it is, this team seems really committed to the players that it's, it's going to ride or die with. Uh, I think they're probably going to die with it this year. 
I'm looking at the playoff field. I'm looking at the Jets maybe even having to face the Kings in the first round. How the heck is Winnipeg supposed to beat L.A.? I can't believe that's a thing that I'm saying in the year 2023, but L.A. just kind of beat the Jets pretty cleanly the other night. So a seven-game series against L.A., yeah, not feeling that one if I'm being honest. The only hope the Jets would have is if like the goaltending were to suddenly implode. But, you know, the Jets don't have to even make the playoffs before then, and that involves taking down the Sharks with a team that can't score. Um, I guess looking at the... Um, <clears throat> The scratches, I don't fully understand why uh, Janssen, Fialbi, and Gustafsson are are benched. I could maybe see a case for, like, Gus just because Stedland has been really good. But, you know, otherwise, Janssen, Fialbi over Menelainen, why not? Um, Heck, actually, you know what? Gustafsson would probably still be more effective than Wheeler is at this point. Blake, again, just can't keep up. Um, Shifley's been a non-factor in most of these games. So... (laughs) I I wish Bones would really commit to the whole I want to hold players accountable thing because he talks about it, but he doesn't actually hold some of the biggest defenders accountable. Shifley has been awful. Connor has not been very good at all. Dubois kind of been in and out, although it still looks like he's recovering health-wise. Wheeler, I mean, just, again, can't do much of anything. And so you've got a top six of players who aren't really playing like top six guys and the, the depth players are supposed to pick pick up the slack, and I don't really know how they're going to do that with, you know, the lack of goal-scoring ability. Uh, the defense, at least, is is okay. I mean, you've got Morrissey and DeMello, Dylan and Pionk, and then Sandberg and Schmidt. That's fine. I mean, there's nothing particularly exciting there. Um, Sandberg drawing back in is always good. He's, he's probably one of this team's best two-way defenders. Um, Dylan and Pionk, that's just a terrible pairing, but it is what it is. Morrissey DeMello hopefully can, you know, continue to be steady Eddie. Otherwise, though, I mean, I'm just throwing my hands up. If the Jets can't beat the Sharks with this team, you just just throw a towel on the season, right? It is what it is. San Jose is tanking. The Jets shouldn't be tanking, but uh, here they are, <laughs> barely hanging on to a second wildcard spot with just a few weeks left in the season. So, yeah, uh, not, not, not feeling great about that, but... I guess if you're hoping for any sort of silver lining, things to be excited about, we'll talk a little bit about some of the top performers from the Manitoba Moose and how Brad Lambert has been doing uh, since he's kind of been tearing it up for, you know, the the, uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds. I mean, he's had a pretty monstrous season, if we're being honest. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these uh, th- final thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are just wrapping up really quickly with some thoughts, I guess, looking ahead for the future of the Jets, because uh, the present is is not ideal, and I think Winnipeg at this point should really be focused on the future. Um, but I-, I guess if you're looking for some sign of, of positivity, uh, the Manitoba Moose have had a pretty solid season so far. Uh, they are, let's see where they actually are in the standings. Um, I think this team has been doing relatively well over the past several games. Um, they are actually like reasonably in good playoff spots. Uh, they should be able to make the postseason and hopefully have um, a, a pretty good shot at maybe advancing past a, a round or two. You know, this this Moose team... Um, I think they came into the season with pretty decent expectations. I, uh, I'm i excited for them. I think that they have a lot of really interesting pieces, but they also have some key veterans that have come back 
that I think, you know, for me should maybe get a, a look with the Jets again. Um, I certainly love for the Moose to maybe give Jansen Harkins uh, another shot with the Jets. I think Jansen has been lighting it up for Manitoba. And look, he's he's not going to be like the kind of player where, you know, he makes a huge difference for Winnipeg's offense. But, I mean, if a guy is posting like 41 points in 35 games for the Moose, what's the worst that could happen? He looks like every other bottom six player right now. Maybe see if he has some finishing talent that he can bring back to the Jets and help us score at least a few extra goals. Um, Declan Chisholm was having a pretty fun season. Defensively, still kind of on the suspect side, if we're being honest. But uh, unfortunately for Declan, he's not going to be able to finish the year. He uh, slid into the wall, and I believe he has like a high ankle sprain. It was like last week, pretty bad injury from what it seemed like. Um, and, uh, you know, high ankle sprains take a good deal of time to work through. So, you know, at this point, he's probably done for the season. Hopefully he'll come back next year stronger and better than ever. But, yeah, really sucky for him. I guess uh, on the more positive side, Vili Heinola has been doing really well for the Moose. 32 points in 40 games, one of the AHL's top uh, offensive defensemen. I think, you know, next season he really deserves to get the chance that he never really has had. Uh, I Now, look, I'll be honest. Vili didn't exactly earn a spot out of camp. But the thing with Heinola playing at the AHL level is that he's basically accomplished just about everything that you can short of winning like a title, right? I think for Heinola, the only way that you can really work on your NHL timing and, and speeds and reads is to actually play at this level, right? You know, he's not going to learn anything with the moose that he doesn't already know. And in some cases, the longer you spend down there, the more bad habits you slowly start to pick up that you're going to try to do at the NHL level and, and find out real quick that you can't mess around and get away with it. So, yeah, I mean, look, the Moose don't have a ton of prospects for the Jets uh, to be super excited about, but I think there's a couple of guys who, um, even as soon as this postseason, maybe help with the expanded rosters. I'm not expecting a lot necessarily, but, you know, somebody to like come in and give this team a spark. Maybe, I don't know, try and cheer the room up something. Give us like a little bit of energy. This team just looks so dead in the water most nights uh, while the Manitoba Moose continue to have fun. I mean, they're like, what, like third in the Central Division? So, yeah, at least they'll make the playoffs and be pretty decent. Hopefully the Jets can too. Uh, but in the more further future, you know, we're all still keeping eyes on Brad Lambert, who has just lit the WHL on fire, 38 points in 26 games. He's slapping the puck hard. He's finding good spaces in open ice. His wrister and his slap shot have been working overtime. He's just having a lot of fun. He's getting along with Dylan Genther and the rest of that offense. I'm telling you, man, Seattle with this, with this Brad Lambert shot, it's just a monster of a team. And I think this is the sort of confident play and skill that we know he can offer. It was just kind of getting him to tease it out and use it a little bit more at a level that he was comfortable at. And the WHL is certainly a place where he can ply his trade and quite frankly, rip through most of his opponents. So far, he's uh, knocked in like what? Uh, let's see, 17 goals, 21 assists. I mean, could you possibly be having a better season? I guess if you're Connor Bedard, but you know, Brad Lambert, not not quite at that level. I don't think anyone else is in the history of Canadian junior hockey. But what we do have with Brad is a super fun player. I'm excited for him to eventually join the Jets. Probably not for the playoff run, um, but we'll see next season, maybe out of camp. Maybe he impresses enough to get a look. 
Uh, I know the Jets are certainly going to try and be cheap going forward and cut salary. So probably behooves them not to use up his ELC as quickly as possible. But by the same token, you got to play somebody. So we'll see what happens. But uh, let me know how you feel about the Moose. Uh, Are you excited about their playoff run? Are you going to buy tickets? Uh, Are you at least going to watch the games? Let me know at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Make sure your second listen, Game to Game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only we can offer. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. As always, I thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!